0: Counseling postpartum depression on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I have with me my friend Shelby Cullen, who currently teaches as an assistant professor for the School of Biblical Studies Department at the Masters University. She completed her biblical counseling training from the Institute of Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, the Masters University, and Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. She's also a member of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors since two thousand and five. She currently serves at Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California, where she has the privilege of teaching in, uh, women in women's ministry. and serving as part of the biblical counseling ministry team. Shelby is also married to her best friend, Sean, and they just celebrated 37 years of marriage. They have four grown children, uh, three in-law children, and three darling grandchildren. So, Shelby, I'm so grateful that you're here today to talk about this uh, very difficult but very necessary issue of postpartum depression. Thanks.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Now, let me preface this by saying uh, Shelby was gracious enough to write one of our booklets, our Biblical Solutions booklet series on this very topic. And so uh, only so much that we can cover in a short amount of time. So I, I would say I'll recommend that to you as well. But as we get going into this, Shelby, let's talk about what postpartum is. So many people have questions about it, you know, maybe in a generic way, what what meets the threshold of postpartum, but what exactly is postpartum depression?
1: Yeah, thank you. I mean, in short, postpartum depression are really just women who are suffering. They've just given birth and they're experiencing a form of despair But it goes beyond just the despairing Um, that manifests typically into uh, them just interfering with their daily responsibilities. The medical community, interestingly enough, doesn't even know exactly what causes it. But they do recognize at least that there's a body-soul connection. Um, They just wouldn't call it that. They would say something like physical, emotional, right? But most find that they struggle with extreme anxiety, these women, which can manifest into things like full-blown panic attacks. Some even experience uh, suicidal thinking. So it can get into more of what the medical community would call like a psychosis. Mm -hmm. And that kind of suffering is... For sure, just very physically challenging for these women, as well as extremely terrifying because uh, the thought life just gets really extreme. And one of the reasons why I wanted to dive deep into this and really research it and study it, and very thankful to Dr. Wickert for his work on this, is because my my own daughter went through this. And so it was just a a personal thing that I wanted to uh, research on my own so that I could actually help her.
0: Yeah, so as we talk through this, this is a, you mentioned this is a common experience that that a lot of ladies uh, after having birth will deal with on some level. And I think, you know, some of the things that you've mentioned, people will question, is this a a hormonal issue, you know? the the medical community, at least at this point, from from the things that I've looked at and read and doctors that I've spoken to, we we acknowledge something is happening, but we're not really sure. But I want you to distinguish, because some people will describe this as broadly as being the baby blues or something like that. And uh, so I want you to distinguish what we're talking about here, maybe from this issue of the baby blues, and and then talk maybe a little bit about if this is a common struggle with women uh, in our churches.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, the medical community does distinguish postpartum depression, I think they categorize it into three categories. And the first one they'll call postpartum baby blues, actually. It is quite different. It's it's a little bit more common among women post-childbirth. They'll experience a form of despair, but it doesn't actually last very long. Typically what happens is maybe they'll have a despairing mood, if you will, for maybe uh, three to five days, maybe a couple of weeks at most. And I think what's happening there, at least the medical community, is acknowledging that more than likely a woman's hormones are just getting back to normal. And then you just, you know, couple that with uh, the fact that she's not getting a whole lot of sleep. (laughs) There's a lot of sleep deprivation going on. We know that. We're both parents. We Mm -hmm. remember what that was like. And it can have an impact on you. But a woman who is experiencing the more severe postpartum depression, for her, it lasts much longer. And what we're seeing is, on average, it is lasting from a few weeks to a few months. And as I mentioned before, the woman is experiencing extreme anxiety. She may not have even experienced that before she had this child at all. Or the despair is just lingering. And even some women that I've spoken with um, experience suicidal thinking, which is really, really concerning. So postpartum depression, believe it or not, as far as uh, the CDC is concerned, is really the number one post-birth complication that a woman can experience. So statistically speaking, I would say that there are so many women in the church who have struggled with this. But... Uh, there's a bit of a stigma attached to it. So women won't share often that they are experiencing that. And I've I interviewed women about this who have struggled with postpartum, trying to understand what are the reasons why they won't come forward and say that this is something they're actually struggling with. And many of them just tell me they're just fear, fearful of being judged. That seems to be the thing. Or maybe accused, believe it or not, of just having a little or no faith. I've actually had conversations with other people who don't even believe that postpartum depression is a real thing, and they kind of dismiss it. That's not very caring. Or the woman is fearful of speaking out because she just feels like people are going to think that um, she's just not thankful for having this little blessing, right? Um, So there's just so many things, so many reasons um, that kind of tie into maybe more of a fear of man, I would say. And it's sad. It's sad because we should be able to care, come alongside, and really biblically care for these women.
0: You said several things, and I, I want to I normalize. I don't know if I would say normalize, but, but I do want us to at least acknowledge what's happening here. A lady has been carrying a child for nine months, right? as she's carrying this child her life is about to alter in a dramatic way now now there will be somebody who cannot care for themselves where she feels primarily responsible add to that we call the the having of the child a certain word that is is pretty telling we we don't call it you know a joy ride we call it labor Right? And because it's difficult and it's <laughs> very, so very hard. Not only is she now giving her life toward this child to, to sustain this child, she's given her body in many ways for this child. If C section or, or natural birth, her body changes radically. And, and now, as you mentioned, with sleep deprivation, I mean, a lot of things are happening. And, and I think there is sort of this internal feeling of shame, like I should be more joyous or other people on Facebook seem to handle this a lot better than I feel like I'm handling it right now. And they minimize all the radical changes that are happening. They minimize the the amount of sleep that they're losing and I think it becomes something that's overwhelming. And this is exactly the way that the church needs to to come alongside and to to help in moments like this. So I'm glad that you're addressing this. And for all the ladies out there, I would say it is so important that, you know, don't feel ashamed. Those things are, are really critical that you're able to to talk with some folks and to help work through all the things that that are changing in you, in your body, in, you know, with this child now, this new responsibility that you, you have. And so to be encouraged to to seek help and get help so that you can do the things that that you know you want to do which is to to care well for your child Let, let's talk and this is maybe taking a step back in the conversation for a moment but but I think it is important sometimes when a wife is going through things like this the husband I'll just fully admit, sometimes we are clueless about (laughs) things and, um, you know, we we don't know how to handle it. We're not sure what to do. And we're trying to help her to get over this or we're trying to, you know, we're trying to do what we can, but it it gets really confusing. So I want to talk about the husbands for just a second. What are we to do with those guys who their wives are suffering through this postpartum moment or moments in their life? And what are some of the common struggles that they might go through?
1: Yeah, I, I I think it's it's a great question to ask because you know there are two people in mm-hmm. this family mm-hmm. typically, and we do want to know um, how the husbands are um, just handling all of this. It's really tough on them, actually. I got to talk to a few husbands when I was putting my material together, because I was really, really curious. I think the assumption is that they're doing well or handling it well. But they were quite honest and very transparent. One of the dads that I spoke with whose who's wife experienced just severe PPD said that it was one of the most strangest and terrifying (laughs) things that they've ever experienced in their life. I mean, from his perspective, you know, he remembers his wife one way before the baby's born. And then all of a sudden there's this whole other thing going on. And it's just shocking. Mm -hmm. While others have have told me or shared that they uh, remember experiencing fear because, uh, you know, Like I said, you know, extreme anxiety, suicidal thinking, panic attacks. And so he's wondering, is my baby even safe? You know, I mean, that does go through their mind and maybe they're fearful to even say something like that. Um, Some have just honestly spoken about feeling very angry or frustrated over the situation because it's a bit out of their control, perhaps, and they just don't know what to do to do. Or if they reach out to other brothers or somebody at church, let's say, they don't know what to do either. So they feel a little bit isolated. Maybe, you know, they, they've, they're they left to kind of feel like I've got to figure this out on my own, but they don't know what to do. Like you said, they feel clueless, but not because I want to feel clueless. It's just there's just no information for them. And, and then, of course, there's always the the men who I've spoke to that felt a little bit of shame because of that. They didn't know how to handle it well so you kind of feel like a little bit of a failure i don't know how to shepherd my wife through this really traumatic time i mean it's just it can be quite discouraging and so that's why when a woman comes for counseling for something like this i always encourage the husband to come at least the first time so they can be part of the the help right you know even even if it means encouraging her to do her counseling homework let's say whatever it is we're we're partners in this and so yeah that's some of the more common struggles that I've been made more aware of in the, you know, lately. So
0: yeah, I think that's critical because he, I mean, he's going to be working with her through the week and and trying to help out where he can and, and being able to minister to her well in a way that's appropriate is great. So I love that you're focused on that. But how might we communicate hope? This is one thing sometimes when we talk about things like postpartum depression, and we we have a tendency, I'll just be honest, in in the biblical counseling world to want to make something either a medical issue or a theological-slash-spiritual issue, and and I want to always say it's both. It's both, where even if there's something that is distinctly medical causing something like this to happen, we still have a responsibility to, to now help her engage this in a way that's God-honoring and appropriate with whatever's going on with her body. And so how do we minister, communicate hope to someone who's suffering through postpartum depression?
1: Yeah, um, I think the first thing to think through is maybe just having a conversation about the very thing that you just said, the body-soul connection. Um, when our bodies are not doing well physically, it's going to have an impact on the spiritual and vice versa. So that that conversation, believe it or not, has brought a lot of hope to women that I've spoken to. Um, when they first come, though, uh, what I might do is give some basic hope. I want them to just understand a few things. And I think 1 Corinthians 10, 13 has always been very, very helpful. I'll open that with them. I'll read it to them. And I'll just go ahead and read it for us. Where Paul talks about no temptation, right, is overtaking you, but such as is his common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with that temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. And and I open that with her, and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to remind her of some really important truths for her soul, such as God assuring us that she especially is not the first woman to face a trial like this. You know, postpartum depression is not unique to her. Um, it's, it's actually more common than she, she thinks. It's also not even unique. And she is definitely not alone. So we'll talk a lot about that. Even if I haven't experienced that myself, um, I am a woman and I have had children. You know, there's a lot of other experiences where I can definitely, and even a sister in Christ, um, assure her that she is not alone in this and it's not unique to her. But others have come through it well, testimonies of others. And that's important even because, again, they will often feel isolated and alone And I also think it's important to share that God is promising really to suit her trial, because I do look at postpartum as just a trial that somebody's experiencing, a trial of suffering to what she can bear, or maybe just even her capacity to handle. You know, sometimes they feel like, I just can't handle this. Or just the assurance that God is going to bring her out of this trial, and it may not be in her timing, but it will be in his time and in his way, and she's going to actually reap the benefits of what God will do through her as she kind of walks through the trial. You know, so I, I'm just really trying to encourage them and hoping that they'll understand that truth rightly and, and really just, I think, rightly believe God and His promises from His Word, and that will give people hope. Now, that's just basic, but as you kind of continue to meet with some someone, some really important truths that will also give hope in a person's time of need, especially here, is probably centering your your hope, your counsel of hope in scripture that has to do with God's character. And one of the characters of God that's been super helpful is just uh, thinking through the fact that God is accessible and he is near to all who call upon him. And you've got so many wonderful truths you could open up to and center her thoughts on like maybe Psalm 145, verse 18, or perhaps Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, or another one that's just timeless is just remembering that our God is tireless. Now, she might be exhausted and and losing it, but our God is not that way. He is tireless, and He's the one that's going to sustain her and just keep her feet from stumbling or her heart from failing. And I'm thinking of maybe a Psalm 41 verse 2 or something that Isaiah talks about in chapter 40, 28 to 29. But I'm, I'm thinking through character of God because I know that usually when a person's pretty low, that's deficient. That's really key. And then I'm also emphasizing just gospel truths because that can bring so much hope to a person in their time of need. So, you know, I, I think through that pretty carefully based on what she's telling me.
0: Well, I, I love the way that you're, you're helping her gaze to go in the proper direction towards the Lord, toward his promises, toward his character. I think that's critical. One of the things that you mentioned that I think is, is really critical is just permission to allow her to sleep. She's not God. God is tireless. The Bible describes him as singing over us at night. He, he doesn't need to sleep. He's very different than us, but we need it. That's why he created the dark, and that's a good thing. So don't even encourage her in that, that. That may lead us into talking about how do we cultivate care for her. I think that's critical for us to contemplate how we do that in a way that's helpful to her, that's beneficial to her You know, in, in this pretty difficult, desperate time.
1: So, you know, when you're coming alongside a person, you're not just taking them to the scriptures. I mean, that's going to be super important, but we're all part of um, just the body of Christ, and there's going to be some real practical ways that we can care for a person. But I think just just in terms of just step one, I mean, just the willingness to impart your life to her, that actually just is so beneficial, and it speaks volumes. Just her knowing that you care at all mm-hmm. and that you're even willing to step in um, and help her, she that just takes a load off. I mean, even like what you were saying, even having a conversation that I'm coming over because I care about you so I can hold the baby while you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's okay. It'll be fine. Um, Acknowledging that she's a sufferer is important. Um, You know, postpartum depression can be very difficult and there really is a physiological component to it. And although I wouldn't advocate and say that uh, her body's causing her to sin or anything like that, but sympathizing with what she's experiencing does show that you care. Because She is suffering. I think listening is a very important. That is one way to cultivate care for a person. You don't want to presume upon a person. You don't want to give foolish counsel. You actually want to move towards her. You want to share in her struggles. You want to give wise counsel based on what she's actually telling you. Prayer is very, 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 hear me again, very important. Uh, so many times, you know, you're holding her hand. You're praying with her. You're weeping with her. That's just, prayer is just huge. But on the on even the more practical side, um, I I know how helpful it is to get other women in the body involved in creating like a meal. I think we call it. I forget what we call it exactly, but we just we provide meals for women. You sign up. You know you're you're involved in her life. You're bringing a meal. That's just takes such a pressure off. You're offering to come and help with the baby. So she can rest, like you mentioned, we're offering to come and even do chores. That's super helpful. Even offering to, you know, you're at the grocery store, something that most of us are just involved in doing anyway. And, you know, texting her, is there something I can pick up for you, something I can drop off that would be helpful to her? But overall, really, you're just trying to make sure she knows that you're there for her, that. She doesn't have to go through this trial alone. And ultimately, God cares about her, right? Because we're just his hands and feet. And he's the one that cares for her. And and the body of Christ, when they come alongside and help, we're just that tangible means of grace, really. But he is the ultimate one that cares about her. And she can cast her anxiety upon him in the end.
0: Well, I, I want to move to talking about... The biblical counsel that we would give. But but I don't want to miss what we just talked about that that's so important that I think bolsters the biblical counsel that we would. We would give to someone is you're talking about weaving and enmeshing, you know, your life into the life of this lady in caring for her genuinely. So, so you're not only going to give her biblical counsel, but you're you're going to try and demonstrate what the care of Christ looks like in her life. And I think that's a very tangible thing and a very useful, helpful uh, way to think about how biblical counseling thrives the best. But but we do have to give some counsel here. So, what, what's some of the biblical counsel that you might give uh, to someone in this? situation.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um you know, I think it depends on what she's actually sharing with me that of course comes through all of the the difficult or the many questions that you ask. But primarily because she's d- often battling her thought life, my counsel will be to kind of dig into that pretty deeply. And you know, this is just an example. I don't want to make it sound like this is a blanket statement, but these are just some common thoughts that I've come across when I'm dealing with someone that's suffering in this way, but One big one is they'll often think, you know, that I'm alone and that no one understands me whatsoever. And so I'm going to concentrate. When I hear her thinking like that, because your beliefs is part of your inner man, you're thinking. When I hear a person say that, I'm thinking, okay, we need to concentrate on her view of God here and just desire on my part just to help her to see that, you know, according to God's word, he He will never leave her nor forsake her because she's she's one of his, and he himself is going to be her helper. So we might concentrate a little bit on that. She doesn't need to be afraid. You know, Scripture is very clear, and it doesn't just say that in, in Hebrews 13, verse 5. That's actually in, in many, many, many places in Scripture, but that's a good start. You know, it's going to be an important Scripture for someone like her who's thinking like that. She needs to learn to hold her thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ in that sense. Another one that's just going to be common, you can imagine, Why a woman would think this that's going through this, but she is thinking to herself often, This is forever. (laughs) Mm. I just, I can't do this anymore. I can't endure this anymore. You know, when is this going to end? And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, based on that, she needs a lot of encouragement. I've got to come alongside, I've got to encourage her with counsel that, you know, she is going through something really hard, but really it's just going to be for a season. And my God will give her the strength to persevere. So I might follow up with the 1 Peter 5, verse 10, which is just an amazing verse, because Peter is writing to suffering believers anyway. And he says, um, and after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, strengthen, confirm, and ground you. I mean, how incredible is that, you know? And so the scripture, which is sufficient for everything we need for life and godliness, is just full of counsel that we can give to someone like her. We don't need to be afraid to counsel a woman like this. We have everything we need to help her. But I think the key is listening well. Asking good questions, trying to really dig in deep and understand how she's thinking. That's been really key. And that, I think, will guide you at, to where you need to counsel her in the scriptures.
0: Well, in any any time that we struggle in this type of way, you know, and for ladies, this can be in, in postpartum. But, but we encounter, as human beings, we encounter points where our finiteness and our inability and our limits— are exposed. And I think this is one of those places where it's demonstrated our human weakness is demonstrated in all the things we wish we could do that that maybe we can't accomplish all those things in the way that that we wish. And there's no shame in that. I think it's important for us to embrace our weaknesses in moments like that so that we can see the glory and the power of Christ. So, So let's bring out of that biblical counsel and talk about some of the heart themes that you see that are fairly consistent or that we need to be aware of as counselors when engaging postpartum.
1: Yes. Um, we always want to get to the heart of the matter, of course. We want to be aware of that. And there are some common themes that I've seen. And, you know, I don't want to sound like everybody's the same and we have this sort of one-size-fits-all council, but there are some common heart themes that I've, I've run across that you'll run across when you ask right questions. And one of the heart themes I've come across is just this idea of wanting to be in control. You know. And this is where she is struggling with the attitude that she doesn't even need to, to anyone to help her. And I think that probably what's happened there, and you had mentioned social media a bit ago, but I think that prior to the birth of the baby, it's possible that she's influenced by something on social media with what it looks like to be a mom or the standard she's created in her mind of what a biblical mom is. Something like that, some kind of expectation. And ultimately, that's what she's worshiping. You know, just imagine that's where you're at. And then this happens to you, <laughs> and and this thing that's happening to her is completely out of her control. <laughs> completely, she didn't bring, she didn't ask for it, she didn't bring it on herself. This is just something that's happening to her, and so that desire to be in control, um, that is that is really something they're fighting, as well as a heart theme of perfectionism, which I think is kind of tied into control, quite frankly. But again, you know, here is a mom that just kinda of maybe had all of her ducks in a row. She just kinda of had this vision, this idea about what motherhood's gonna look like. And then suddenly this happens to her and she's not able to live up to a standard of motherhood that she's created, you know, in her mind that oftentimes, to be quite honest, isn't even biblical. Right. Perfectionism, you know, being similar to control. I think that's going to be something to to look out for. But part of the counsel for for either thing is really just going to be to put off this desire to be perfect or to be in control. And I've been trying to counsel my ladies to think more about being faithful. You know, um, I know Jesus says that you're to be perfect as as our heavenly father is perfect. But I think he said that because he he uh, that drives us to him. But the call for the Christian is is each day to be faithful with what God has given us. So that's, that's the counsel that I usually get when I'm hearing themes like that. But overall, you know, just trying to help to nurture a dependence upon the Lord during their time of trial so that in her sadness, she will turn from herself, the self-focus that she has, and she'll turn to our triune God for help.
0: Uh, Shelby, this is so great. Thank you for the conversation and uh, so many more things that we could dive into here, but a lot of things to flesh out. And uh, so thank you for being here on the podcast. I do want to mention that that Shelby wrote a booklet, a biblical Solutions series booklet on postpartum depression, stopping the spiral with his sufficient word. Uh, And Shelby, I want to commend you. This is one of the most popular booklets that we have. So this is a topic that that people want to know about and how to address this from a biblical perspective. I think the things that you've mentioned here and the things that you flesh out further in the booklet are are going to be helpful for any of our listeners. So I, I commend that to you. And Shelby, well done.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of A C B C. I'm so grateful for Shelby and her work out at the Masters University and the way the Lord is using her there. She also contributed to our Biblical Solutions booklet series on this very topic that we talked about today, postpartum depression. And so I want to encourage you, if you are interested or you know someone who may need some help in this particular area, or maybe you're counseling a lady who is walking through uh, this very difficult season of her life, I think you may find this booklet helpful. And so, uh, I want to encourage you. We have uh, this booklet, Postpartum Depression, and 20 others that we have released. We're we also coming out with several new ones coming up in October. If you would like to see our selection of booklets, I want to encourage you to go to our website, biblicalcounseling.com backslash store. Uh, you will also see a link in the show notes as well. So for these booklets and many other resources, you can find at biblicalcounseling.com.